You really want to see what's what? I tell you, next stimulus, don't give them any money. Give them pan flutes. Then you'll see. You'll see who's American and who plays dominoes with the cabbage team. Well, hey, how hi there. Welcome to Lizard People Anonymous. There's going to be a lot more of us coming up here soon, so we just wanted to get things heading out, heading off, heading in the right direction to accommodate all the new members that are going to be a part of our little uh, group here. Every 10 takes on a shape and a theme, and this 10 seems to be heading in that cancel me, don't listen to me, this is the end kind of direction. I don't know what anyone else has planned for the end, but for me, I want to finally stop clenching my jaw. I want to finally stop putting holes in my tongue. This episode, I want to be more transparent. I want to tell you things. I want to give you the nutrition information for the Two Nana Shoe podcast. We got a nice fatty episode for you this week with ingredients of pedophilia and gay Jesus. That comes out to about 20% dexterity, 3% luck, 15% of frame of mind, 20% flexibility, and 80% uncomfortability. Contemplated and conversed correctly, it can provide nourishment. I want to be very clear about this. I have told people not to listen to Tanana Shoe Podcast. I've said don't listen to Tanana Shoe Podcast, and I've been trying to cancel myself. Nobody seems to be taking it seriously, or maybe I'm just not pissing off the right people yet. So we're going to work on that. We're going to get there. I gave myself a nice little crash course lesson on how to do this by watching the Little Rascals movie. If you're not familiar with what that is, good. Don't be. You don't need to see it. You don't really need to know what it is. All you need to know is that even though it came out in the 90s, it was horrible. It was still horrible, even in an entire decade that was horrible. A really wonderful horrible that I have a ton of nostalgia for. And somewhere in that, somebody decided to dig up this old gem, the Little Rascals. Which I assume at some point in early America, people must have found it endearing to have this being done the way that it was. I haven't seen the original, and I don't want to see it. As I was watching this movie, at first I was like, man, somebody really wants to fuck that kid. And then I kept watching, and I was like, shit, somebody really wants to fuck that kid too. And this just kept happening. I don't want to fuck kids. But I'm a pretty empathetic person. I'm pretty good at picking up what people are putting down. And whoever got this movie made, 
whoever the cinematographer was and the writing and their directing and pretty much every aspect of this movie all wanted to fuck kids. I don't know this for sure. I'm not trying to accuse anybody or ruin anybody's life over this. I'm just amazed that this legally got produced and that I liked it as a kid and that now watching it streaming on Netflix, I was like, wow. But the worst part of it, the worst part that really fucking disgusts me and made me feel like I had to say something actually wasn't the wanting to fuck kids part. It was how they took these already broken children trying to be actors and made them say and do a bunch of older, like, adult-style shit. Most people never really get to be the kid they want, and often will spend their entire life trying to be because of it. And this movie has corrupted the opportunity of a glamorous Hollywood child's lifestyle to teach real kids to act older, Maybe that's what it is, because if they do that, then people won't want to fuck them because they're not like kids. But since we're talking about fucking kids, and that's kind of a hard subject to bring up, usually, I think it's important that people know that pedophilia is being sexually attracted to children, and that most of the people who are this way do not act on it, ever. In their entire lifetime, they never get to fulfill their sexual desires. It's very different from child molesters or abusers. People who are actually fucked up enough in some other way that they act on this. Don't listen to me, but I told you to cancel me first. Anyone brings about my end, it's going to be me. There's some really good information out there about this stuff, and I like to talk about it because if you're willing to sit through how uncomfortable it may make you, it may not only open up your mind a little bit, increase your ability to understand and empathize with other people, but it may help some poor pedophilic person you may encounter who probably feels like a prisoner in their own fucking body for their entire life. Cool? Cool. Alright, let's talk about gay Jesus. I'm not saying Jesus was gay. He could have been. I'm also not not saying he was gay. What I am saying is think about the possibility. Think about what evidence there is to convince you of what Jesus' sexuality may have been. He was the Son of God. But he was also a man. What comes to mind first for me is that little pose up on the cross. I've never nailed a guy to a cross or seen him hanging there. But I imagine most would probably have a lot more tension. Strain, discomfort. Jesus looked like he had done that before. His frail, slender body all limp, all sleek and hairless. Look at the beard. There's no way Jesus was that hairless. And then I think about all his disciples. 
these 12 men just hanging around him all the time. Sounds a lot more like a posse to me. And they just left him up there on that cross. That bitch must have done something wrong to them. I just want you to think about if Jesus was gay, because I think there's a lot that can come from that mental exercise to just think about it. Think about if it was, think about what evidence could support that idea. I also want you to think about what they're going to do with Philip. They've been dragging that skeleton around for years and taking pictures of it in the car and everything. Seems weird that they just go and put him in the ground, finally. It's like that pair of shoes that you bought on impulse, and they didn't quite fit, but you just loved them so much, you held on to them. I don't want to be insensitive to anyone who might have cared about him. I just don't understand why anyone here gives a fuck. It's like rattlesnake awareness. I love talking about rattlesnake awareness, especially here in Arizona, where we have a lot of rattlesnakes and not very much awareness. Everyone, every single person, as soon as you mention that rattlesnake awareness, they start looking around for rattlesnakes. My fancy mind uses rattlesnake awareness to describe my awareness how coiled and waiting it may be, but ready to strike at any moment and with a deadly blow. A deadly blow that slowly infects and poisons you. Like when you start thinking about it, you remember Prince Philip looking dead for a really long time. And how easily the Son of God may have slipped in the sin of sucking a dick once or letting someone suck his, or how there were probably several people that thought about and wanted to fuck young Jesus and that never acted on that. Back in that day, they didn't get to make a full-length feature film about fucking children. But when I was a kid, my dad used to tell me about Chester the Molester he said he wore this long yellow rubber trench coat. None of us kids ever had anything like that happen. We all had rattlesnake awareness. Another movie that I saw as a kid was Natural Born Killers. It was one of my favorite movies for a very long time, and I still like parts of it a lot and think about them a lot or use them to describe a situation or an idea I have about something. There's a scene with an old Native American man who has the main characters in his hut, and he's telling his grandson a story about a snake. He says that one day, a woman was out collecting firewood, and she came across a snake, frozen solid, in the snow. She picked it up, brought it inside, and placed it by her fire. The snake eventually thawed out, and slithered over, and struck the woman. She said, why, why, after all I've done for you, why would you do this? And he said, look, bitch, you knew I was a snake. 
And then he laughs. I wanted to go get some laughs. I wish I had. I had it set in my mind enough that I was going to do it and wanted to. I just didn't get around to ever working on it more or signing up. And with my new schedule, all of a sudden it was that day. And I hadn't requested it off of work. I hadn't signed up. And I just had a fucking list of random shit I was going to say. I had loosely organized it in my brain a bit, but there's no Excel or spreadsheet for this shit. If I had done it, I probably would have been way too busy mentally to focus on anybody else performing, really. I would have sat around, uncomfortable in the crowd, trying to get shit right in my head. Until finally I was backstage waiting to go on watching whoever was before me and then staggering out there myself. Awkward enough to seem silly and fun, but composed enough to give the impression of confidence that I'd done it before. As the applause died down, I'd find the dumbest looking person up front and ask them how many grunts it takes them to get through their day. I would have gone on to tell them that I'm more the quiet type, that my friends told me that I'd be a good mime. Which is a really clever way of telling somebody to shut the fuck up. I'd come back to the person I asked about grunts or somebody near them and ask if they had kids and if their kids knew about anti-Semitism. I'd smile and patronize them, offering to teach them, or how they could be a good asshole, because I miss good assholes. And how I love it's one of the few things that truly is instant, not like these lies with the pudding or the mac and cheese. You can instantly become an asshole to somebody else. I was at the funeral home with my dentist, and he says shit like this all the time, but I was asking the guy how long I'd wait until I could cremate him. If technically a dentist is a doctor, if I have one of his other dentist friends there to pronounce him dead as soon as he is, can we go ahead and burn his body? And instantly, I was an asshole, and now my dentist doesn't trust me anymore. Which is fair. I lost his kids. What's funny is it happened while I was sitting there eating a bowl of cereal and looking at the milk carton thinking that we needed to start putting the kids back on the cartons of milk. And how we'd need bigger milk cartons. Before that though, he had been a good dad. So I wanted to send him a sympathy card. But I was out. I know my grandma always has a bunch of shit like that, so I called her up and shot the shit long enough that I felt comfortable asking her if she had any sympathy cards, and I told her that I was out. She told me she'd send me one, so I thanked her and waited for it. When I finally got it, it was just the one sympathy card that she had written in. Sorry, you're all out of sympathy cards. It was an unprecedented experience in these unprecedented times. We're still in them. We're almost out of it, but we're still in them. And they have to keep telling us about how unprecedented these times are. It's like these people that have to tell you about their sense of humor, how they have to say what type of sense of humor they have, 
so they can make sure that you'll not miss out on how funny they are. If you have to tell somebody what type of sense of humor you have, you're not funny. In the same way that you don't have to tell us you're bad at drawing, we know, we see it. At this point, I'm sure I would have been good and sweaty, so I probably would have started spitting on the crowd. I'd keep at it long enough to know that somebody got it on video, so when I did go viral, SNL would hear about me and that deal would happen just as soon as I got out of prison. Maybe it would have been funnier to talk about fucking kids and gay Jesus, or what happened at Popeye's. Man, I was fucking mad. I have not been that fucking mad in a while. There were a few cars in the drive-thru, but no big deal. They had me wait when I pulled up to the speaker. Again, not a big deal. Once I got up to the window, paid, handed me my receipt, handed me my drinks, and then they told me to pull into the parking lot. Anytime you hear that, you're about to wait too long, or you're going to get shitty food. Or both. The ditzy girl and dumb dude bringing the food out obviously had no idea what they were doing and didn't care. The way they looked and walked and lacked a sense of purpose was already starting to make me feel bad. But food was getting to cars. Came about time and number of orders where one of them should have been mine. Guess it wasn't that one. The dumb dude brings over a bag to me and just puts it in my hands, doesn't ask or tell me anything that's in it, and I see the fries touching my hands as he put it in, and then he tries to hand me these drinks. Very clearly to the right of me, I already have my drink, so I ask him what the order is, and he's got it all crumpled up and wet against one of the drinks that he's holding. He's real surprised and confused in this unprecedented time. Somehow it's in his mind, that bag and those drinks. Then I hear some Karen, who I know was in a car behind me, saying that maybe it's her food, and the dumb dude goes and takes it over there. I see him return to the building empty-handed, followed a minute or two later by Karen with the order that clearly wasn't hers and was probably mine. At this point, I'm fucking furious because I had felt it. Every step of the way, I knew some shit like this was going to happen. So 15 minutes in, I turn off my car and go inside to claim the food that Karen's probably touched now at this point too. The fury inside me erupts when I get inside and I see how many fucking people they have back behind that counter. How there's at least one person on every single station and how fucking nonchalant they all are. Because it is not busy. It is not busy enough for that amount of people. Every week, the chef groups I'm in on Facebook talk about how they don't have enough staff and to please be patient with them because they're going to be slow because of it. And here in this shithole fast food, they've got a bigger crew than I've almost ever worked with just standing around twiddling their fucking thumbs. I'm wearing a mask, but I'm sure I look fucking angry, as angry as I am, with just my eyes. I'm standing right up there at the counter, and people are looking at me. The guy that's supposed to be on register looks at me and does not speak. 
Finally, this fucker says something, and I tell him I've been sitting in my car for 15 minutes when the guy that took my order knows that they fucked up. He leaves the window trying to help get that figured out. He has to tell, like, three different people before things seem to start coming together. The manager, who's now jumped in to orchestrate this, asks me what kind of pieces I want, and that's not even the order that's for me, so I just, like, shrug at the guy, and he continues to fill the box. Unfolding with rage, I have to stand there and not glare at all these fucking people just standing around in this fucking Popeyes. Finally, the manager rushes up to the counter with my order, says it, it doesn't sound right, places the receipt down in front of me to look at it, and they fucked up yet again. I'm pretty fucking patient, and I'm very understanding when it comes to the food industry. I won't sweat one or two things, even three or four, I'll find forgiveness. But this was a grand slam of fuck-ups. Every single person involved fucked up. I was so fucking mad and so bummed out that that level, that was a new fucking low. I've been watching things regularly slip and slide, but I always find a way to work around it and get through. I'll be honest, I don't see it getting better anytime soon. I would like it to. I'm going to try to make it better with what I can do. I'm pretty sure that pan flute is definitely a part of that, and we need pan flutes. I know we could use our stimulus to buy pan flutes, but I think it would be better if we had government-issued pan flutes.